Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255 or text 580-580. With Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth, here is Steve Gregory. What a spectacular weekend. Run weekend, right? Run weekend. uh, Race weekend. Glebe garage sale this weekend. Oh, Good time to have right. an open house in the green. Today. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? It, it probably would be yeah. super busy. I just thought about that. Yeah, you'd you'd probably have a lot of people come through. I think you'd probably have a lot of nosy people come through. But I mean, what a chance to show off your house and showcase your property. Yeah, great. Yeah, idea. I would be fearful of somebody walking away thinking it's a garage sale. They're walking away with something in your house, like the house. That, like the, <laughs> like house. the house. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they pay the money, they can take the house. Yeah. Well, here we are. It's the last weekend in May already. It's crazy how fast it's going. Wow. It just seems like we got the April numbers, and now next week we're going to have the May numbers. Yeah, we should have the May numbers next week. What are we today? We're the 27th. It'll be on the 4th. Yeah, it'll be be tight. It'll be tight, tight. but the numbers when they come out, I mean, listen, the way we're going right now, just as a team, we'll probably sell about 80 homes this month, which is great considering, you know, it's, it's been a tough... Probably a tough year so far. But How would that compare to last year or the year before? Well, last year is when our market started to dip. And, and our May last year was probably one of our worst Mays ever. We only sold 34 homes last May. So it was a tough May for us. But uh, this this May we'll probably sell. We're, we're going to be, we might even be more than 80. We might be about 85 sales in one month, which is a really, really good month. So I do think that the real estate board numbers will be very similar to, to you know, the great month that we're having. Not double, though. I mean, your team is double. I don't think we, it's yeah, we double were, we last year. Two and a half times, yeah. So I don't think it's, no, it definitely won't double. Um, it'll be interesting because the first four months of the year, we saw the numbers when you compare, you know, Jan, Feb, March, and April over Jan, Feb, March, and April of 2022. We saw the numbers were down and we knew they would be down because those those months were incredible. This is where our market started to dip last year. So I think we might see the numbers up this May compared to last May. Uh, and I think if you compare our numbers in May compared to April, I think our, our numbers are drastically going to be up. Now, I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm predicting. Uh, it just feels like the, mar- the even if they're even, that's, that's a plus. Right? It is a plus because we've been way down. So even if they're even, but I, the market's starting to churn, we got some, you know, some bad news this week with the rates, but at the same time, we're still seeing that market starting to churn. We're seeing homes selling, we're seeing lots more homes listing. Um, it's, it's a very optimistic market right now. And I, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see because for the longest time, we've been in a bit of a depressed market. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. With the rates going up this week, are they factoring in what might happen on June 7th? Or is that completely unrelated, just the bond market? Uh, it's partially unrelated. Really, what's happening is the debt ceiling that's going on south of the border. Um, and they've got, I think their deadline is June 1st. So that's that's creating some of the ruckus that we're seeing within the bond market. The Obviously, the inflation went up a tenth of a percent. Mainly responsible for that increase was shelter costs, and I don't know what TIFF is thinking, but shelter costs are going to continue to rise year over year right up until January because he raised rates every single month Mm. from April until January of this year. So uh, hopefully all other costs will come down, but I'm skeptical and only because – you know, look at the gas pumps and listen, it was $1.49 last week yeah. and all of a sudden I'm driving by this week and I'm seeing $165. Yeah. So then what I do is I naturally, I turn around, I look, well, what are crude oil prices doing? They haven't changed. So it's a little scary to know, to see what's going on. And I, you know, and I've been saying it all week. 
Your average Canadian family is struggling. They're struggling big time today. Going to the grocery store is not for the kind of heart. And we're almost forcing families to buy foods that aren't necessarily healthy for them, but they're they're lower priced, so they have more preservatives in them, which in turn ends up costing taxpayers more because then there's health issues that come with that. So, um, boy, we need we need a more, you know, I just think we need a government that starts thinking forward a little bit and not thinking of doing things the way they've always been done. Well, they're thinking forward. They're bringing in another carbon tax. Yeah, yeah, they're thinking forward, <laughs> all right. Well, that's what happens when you have a prime minister who's never had a mortgage, never had payments. You know, everything's been always handed to him, and it's 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 just it's. Where it's going to get crazy is two years from now. If this hasn't changed in two years and people's mortgages come up for renewal, and we're talking there, then you're getting into the people that had mortgages under 2% and just over 2%, right? And at five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar average, where today we're seeing the customers that are coming up for mortgage renewal, at least their mortgages are in the two, three hundred, maybe four hundred thousand dollar range. So at least if they're having to go from, you know, two, eight, nine to four, eight, nine, a two percent increase, it's still massive, but at least it's on. You know, at least those people can look back and say, "Okay, we bought our house for five hundred. Today it's worth seven hundred. You know, we put maybe five percent down, but now our mortgage is down to about four hundred and twenty. So we've got a huge amount of equity in our home. And yes, our cost is going to be more, and it's not ideal. But for a lot of those customers, at least there's an opportunity at that point to be able to reamortize your mortgage up to thirty years, um, or reamortize it to twenty five years and get a preferred rate. So at least they've got." options and choices. Yeah, but years could, from now, this could have a huge effect on the market if everybody comes up and they go, wow, I can't afford this extra 800 bucks. I got to sell. Then what happens? Well, it becomes a seller's market then, which isn't necessarily good because then the values could come down, right? Yeah. If there's too much. Yeah. It's, it's, it won't be good. It definitely won't be good. And, and we're seeing people who are living in houses they probably won't be able to afford in two years. So, I mean, we're going to see a lot of downsizing. We're going to see people selling their properties. Uh, but you need buyers for that. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't that, really that have those qualify. either. Yeah, we don't have those. The, the, the problem is, is our biggest problem right now is we're starting to see our inventory rise a little bit, but we are so inventory starved, it's unbelievable. And we've talked about it before with all the immigrants coming into Canada. You know, by 2024, they're talking about 500,000 immigrants coming to Canada. Now, a lion's share are going to be going to Toronto and, and Vancouver for sure, but even Toronto and Vancouver, they need homes too. But here, but they're going to cap out as well. They yeah. can only sustain so many people. They can, they can, and, and I, I just think you know, even Ottawa. Like I'd say, we're probably potentially third on the list for for where immigrants are going to go, um, and we just don't have the the inventory. We just don't. I mean, and it's nice to see shovels are starting to get in the ground, projects are starting to go, but it's still a nightmare to deal with the city with all this red tape bureaucracy crap. It's, it's, we need more shelter. We, we desperately need it and it's not there. It's just not there. And it's going to be a problem, uh, when, well, it's already a problem, but it's going to be even more of a problem when we start getting more immigrants coming into Canada. So what happened to all the, I know where there's a lot of empty space, buildings. We have a downtown core that's virtually empty. Well, NCC is going to start selling those off too, huh? And they should, but can't the government now all of a sudden say, okay, like we need affordable housing. We need maybe if immigrants are coming, maybe living downtown is pretty cool for them. Why it's ex- not? It's expensive. I know though, it's expensive, it? but so is everything else they do. My God, they're throwing money everywhere else. Why not throw it at this project, a project like this where – you need permits, but the red tape is certainly a lot less than what you have to go through to start over. Well, I thought governments were, were planning on helping out, cutting the red tape. What happened there? They're, I would say that they're 
They all point fingers. Right. If you watch them, they all, the municipal points at the provincial. Yeah. The provincial points at the federal. And all they do is continually point fingers at each other, and then nothing gets done. They're, chip, they're chipping away at it, put it that way. They're not cutting it. They're chipping away at it. But the good news is we are starting to see some office building that are being – like there's one here on the corner of Rideau that was an office building that's now student residence. So, I mean, we are chipping away a little bit at it. They're making things – I mean, five years ago, you would never be – you have never you would never have gotten the approval to turn that into student residence. Mm. You just wouldn't. And now they're allowing things like that. Uh, you know, there's a project in Orleans going on that I've talked about before that has like a – 120 odd units and 80 parking spots. Five years ago, that was a big no-no. If you didn't have 120 odd uh, unit uh, parking spots, you couldn't have 120 odd units. So um, it, it, they're 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 chipping away at it, but it's still really really hard. I'm working with a buddy of mine who's a who's a home builder. We're looking at building some properties together, and he was telling me he's like, "Where's this? Where's this lot that you're looking?" He goes, "Please tell me it's not in the city of Ottawa." And I says, "Why is that?" He goes, "Because it's a nightmare." He goes, I don't want to build if it's in the city of Ottawa. I want to go outside the city of Ottawa because it's easier to get permits. It's easier to get approvals. It's just easier. He goes, building in the city of Ottawa is a nightmare. And it is. It, it absolutely so, is. So for the amount of time it takes to get approvals and, and, the, cost. and the cost of the permit? And the cost of the permit, uh, the, the time. The time's the biggest thing. And, and you know what? You don't always get approved, right? You don't always get approved. And that's the problem. They should, I mean, if you're looking to add more housing and as long as it, you know, fits within that box, just stamp the frigging thing and let it go, you know? And, and that's the yeah, problem. Yeah, because we're behind already. We're way behind. We're, we're 10 years. We can, we can aggressively build for 10 years. The stat that came out is we can aggressively build for 10 years. We still won't have enough housing for the amount of people that we have in our country. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yet it's, yet it's funny. You, you go to some of the American cities and you know, here, if you're in a subdivision, you're in a residential subdivision. You go to the States, some cities, you might have a hospital besides a residential house, besides a, a, a bar, beside, like, it's just, they, they have, their red tape is way less than what we have here when it comes to red tape. You can build just about anywhere and put a shovel in the ground anywhere in the States. So what's the plan to add more rental properties? Because who's going to be able to afford these new homes? Well, that's it, right? I mean, there's, I can't remember what the stat is. Um, I heard a stat recently. It might even come from my coach. It was something like, and don't quote me on this, but it was, it was, it was really, really high. It was something like, I don't know, a third of the homes or maybe a quarter of the homes in Canada are actually rental units, like investment properties, which is, I think is going to actually increase. The only problem with that right now is to get a cash flow, to get a a, a cash positive in a rental property right now is very, very, very hard. Unless you have multiple doors under one roof. You're, I mean, you just have a simple townhouse in suburbia. You're not cash flow positive. Yeah, but some of those are corporations, Paul, right? So there's some buildings that are owned by major corporations that they're all rentals. They build it and it's all rentals. To me, I mean, that's kind of – they're rentals, but I look at the average Canadian hoping to own a, a rental. That's where Paul's talking about. It's yeah. really difficult because with the interest rates being as high as they are, they just can't cash flow. They're not even clo- – like it's one thing to say, ah, I'm okay to absorb 200 bucks a month. In a lot of cases, seven eight hundred dollars a month that you have to absorb in a loss to be able to cash flow it, and it's just not worth it. And, and, and truthfully, I'm dealing with a lot of people right now. I would say, you know, six or seven people who are landlords who are telling me just nightmare stories about their tenant. And guess what? Nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Nothing you can do about it. Like I walked into one house that was absolutely trashed, and the tenant just doesn't care, and the landlord can't do anything about it. 
And it's it's, it's you can, but it takes a long. It time. takes a long, long time. And, and expensive. There's, you, and you talk about red tape. There's tons of red yeah. tape you got to go through. But and it, you know, I, I was talking to a lady yesterday who walked into her house and she walked out crying because the the, the tenant had just trashed it. And she's like, "I'm just going to kick them out." And I was like, "Good luck with that. You you can't you can't just tick, kick out." So a tenant. you would have to take them to court. Would you have to bring like photos of the home and show the well? The there's a repair. It's in there's the form called an N five, which is for you know get someone out if they're destroying your property. But even that, that could be six to eight months. Well, what do you Two think? Two years. What, what do you think your tenant's going to do during that time? Trash your house even more. So it's, wow. you know, they know you're going after them to kick them out. They're going to trash your house even more. So it's tough. You go to somewhere like Alberta, Alberta, it's pro landlord. Ontario, it's pro tenant, you know? And, uh, got to be a happy medium. There, there. there has to be a happy the medium. Problem. It is. And it's gone too much. And what sucks, way. listen, I want to treat my tenants like gold because I want to make sure that they treat my house like gold. But it's it's just hard when you work your butt off to afford a, an investment property for someone to go in and trash it. It's 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 crushing. It really yeah, because is because you value it, and apparently they don't. They at don't. All. Yeah, it's tough. And devalue it, in fact. And 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 trying to get them out is is next next to impossible. It's like I'm like I said, I'm dealing with six or seven people right now that I'm just like, guys. I mean, unless you want to throw some money at them, they're not going anywhere. It's tough. So what are we going to do with these 500,000 extra people we're getting? Where are we going to put them? <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't know. See, but even you worry about housing. I worry about our healthcare system. Like what? Honestly, these immigrants are going to come here because there's a better life for them until they get sick. And then when they can't get looked after or when they're sick, they're going to second guess whether they want to stay here or not and maybe leave and probably go to the States. So I think well, a lot of people are going to come here. They won't go to here, the states for health care unless they got a lot of money. Well, yeah. no, but you get a plan, right? You can buy a monthly plan at yeah. least and get decent health care. We're here. You don't even get that choice anymore. Yeah. That might change soon, though. Ah. In the second segment, we're going to be very positive. <laughs> hey, no, well, we're hey, being listen, real, though. We're being real. Absolutely. We're being real. We're being real so, for sure. I like Paul's take. Let's, yeah. let's go yeah, positive. No, no, we can be positive, but we are being real. Let's be fake and positive. <laughs> yeah. 521 Talk, 521 We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. With Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth. All right. You said listings are up a little bit? Allow me to put my glasses on Please first, do. Steve. You Please know, do. We want, we want old accurate man. information Old here. man. Old, old man. What? I'm the youngest guy in the room here. Yeah, Actually, I, Greg, I are you younger than me? No? Yeah, I'm, the young, I'm the young buck here, guys. But yet, Greg and I are the only one without glasses on right now. Remember when being the youngest in the room meant he was really young? Yep. Not so Boy, much that's anymore. that's changed, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you right now, my girlfriend's listening to the show and she's having a good little chuckle. Good, she yes. Yeah, she totally is. I don't know what she's doing with an old man like you. But oh, I, really? He must have money, huh? <laughs> oh, <Yeah>, maybe. <laughs> There's other things I'm good for, Steve. There's other things. Yeah, she's with yes, me. Yes, a bubbling personality. Yes. yes. Well, that is true. That is true. Uh, listings are, in fact, new listings by week actually had a sharp decline this week. However... Still, still um, in the last week, there were 716 homes that hit the market. So it's still a decent number. I think last week we were eight or 900. So but by decline, more. does that mean they sold? No. So now sold properties by week had a slight increase. Listings came down and the average sale price actually had a slight decrease this week as well, which is, 
when I when I did these stats, when I looked at these stats, kind of shocked me a little bit because I would have thought the listings were up, I would have thought the sales were up, and I would have thought the average sale price was up too, but it actually wasn't. Uh, we're at thirty two hundred and six active listings on the market right now. Oh, uh, we're over three. We're over three. Yeah, uh, with you know, you add rentals in there, and you, we're at almost at thirty eight hundred. You know, we're at uh, five hundred and seventy four rentals on the market, which has come down. At one point, we had about eight hundred rentals on the market. Um, uh, price decrease. We had 193 properties decrease this, this week and 187 canceled and expired listings as well. And are sold for the last seven days, 562 sales in the last seven days, which is pretty decent as well. Um, but it was, um, when you, when you're looking at some of the areas, like some of the major areas, we're starting to see some of the rentals come down a little bit. And I think that might be because there's a lot of people who are actually being forced into rentals now. Uh, and they're actually scooping up those properties now. I mean, it's, it's tough for a first time home buyer to afford anything in this market and come June 7th. I mean, Frank just said that the rates went up, the fixed rates went up come June 7th. And that announcement comes, if, if the rates go up, I think we're going to see even more people forced into rentals. Uh, first time home buyers are, are, are they're going to feel it for sure. And but I was on your website today. There's some bargains. You have some townhomes in the fives. We do. We do. And actually, we're about to list one that we, we sold one in the area at 640 There's another one that listed across the street with another agent at 599 So there are homes, there are townhomes that are in the fives now. And these are bigger townhomes too. You look at some of the smaller townhomes and you could probably pick some of those up for, you know, five and a half, maybe five and three quarters, 575 something like that. Um, but it's... Uh, there are some deals out there. We we are starting to climb, but we're slowly climbing. It's not a sharp climb. It's not that Nike check mark where we're just booming. Um, but it will come, but it all depends on what happens on this June 7th announcement. Um, I had somebody who wanted to wait until after that, and I said, no, get your house on the market now because you're a starter home. That's who's going to be buying your house as a first-time home buyer. And June 7th, if the rates do go, go up, I think you're going to see that that first-time home, mar- first home buyer market get even tougher. What's your impression on the seventh? Do you think they're going to move? Um, I don't think so. I think they're going to wait for the stats to come out in June and then determine from there whether, uh, obviously, the debt ceiling uh, issue, which should come to a head by the end of this coming week, uh, will uh, will help decide that. But I just feel like I hope he's seeing with what, again, Canadians are going through right now. And increasing rates is not in Canadians' best interest right now. So, But are they more concerned with protecting the real estate market or helping people get into the real estate no, market? Okay, it's not about real estate per se. I don't think it's about – I know it's not about real estate. It's about keeping inflation numbers down. And, and maybe they need to adjust their inflation goals is more uh, – you know, I, I, I like the 2% inflation. I, I like that. But unfortunately, higher rates – aren't necessarily helping that much because, yeah, it may have slowed down the real estate market, but it unfortunately, grocery prices have gone up. Everything else has gone up, and I don't see them stabilizing or even coming down anytime soon. So, um, you know, Canadians can only handle so much, and at some point, he has to look at this a little bit differently and and, and maybe adjust the goal, and maybe the goal is 3% for now, for a couple of years, and then maybe drop it to two once everything stabilizes. But in the meantime, we're we're certainly trending towards going into a recession towards the second half of this year, and that's not necessarily good news. And when they talk about the jobs and there's more jobs out there, listen, if we're adding four, five, six hundred thousand Canadians to our roster every year to our population, well, it just makes sense that there's going to be more jobs out there. The question is, how many people are taking out second jobs, which isn't 
again, I mean, it's okay for now just to get over the hump for some people that are just having a hard time making ends meet. But that's like that can't be long term. People can't be working 60, 70 hours a week to make ends meet long term. They could do it short term to get over the hump. But but if th- if they're counting those jobs and those are short term, I don't think they're long term jobs. So, um, you know, I just think that the numbers seem skewed. The what what we see in the real world seems to be different than what the numbers tell us, and that's concerning for me. Yeah, did you say sixty to seventy hours or six to seven hours? Sixty to seventy hours. No, okay. no, not Steve. Okay, I was going to say Steve. six to seven no. hours. I, we're talking about Steve and you. No, no, I just no, wasn't sure me. which. Oh, and by the way, I did get it. Wow. I guess Petra was listening to the show, and the real reason she's with me, like, I probably shouldn't say it on air. It's, it's money, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not. But I can tell you off air. Let me put it that way. I'll tell you off air. Well, it's not good looks. <laughs> it certainly isn't good luck. And, and apparently, it's not his ability to tell the truth. Five two one talk. Five two one eight two five five. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Paul Rushworth here, Frank Napolitano here, show number 802. That's crazy, eh? And Frank's been to about 400 of them, which is awesome. Huh. So when we started well, this show. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? Average, average sale price was about 270 279 or something. No, right? it was, uh, what, what year was that, 2007? 279, I think he said. I remember 278. Yeah, it was under three for sure. Yeah. What year, 2007? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 2007. When we 2007, started. our average sale price was 272618 Wow. That's average sale. Price. That's average sale price, and um, so that would put homes then probably at about three fifty. I remember, I remember selling townhomes back in that year, and they were selling for one eighty, one seventy five, one eighty for a townhome. Yep, something like that. Wow. Now, granted, it is a long time. What is it? Fifteen, sixteen years ago. Well, it's sixteen years ago, but but even uh, you know five, six years ago, townhouses in Canada were going in the high twos. So again, it's not that long ago. I mean, but from one seventy in in two thousand seven, ten years, they went up to two high twos, which is still a decent increase. It's just the only the craziness is twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Those are the two crazy years where values have absolutely skyrocketed up. And if you're a homeowner, it's been great. And again, I think Paul wasn't here last week, but I did get an email the week before from someone saying you guys shouldn't be gloating. About prices of homes, uh, who's you know, people are struggling. About uh, well, no, the comment was sure. Uh, you guys are happy as realtors because you charge this arm and a leg for commissions, and missing the point. We're not gloating. We're stating facts of where house prices have gone. And if you've been a homeowner over the last five or ten or fifteen years, you've done very well with the equity in your home. Uh, so you are ahead financially because of it. The problem now we're seeing is that the higher interest rates are making it extremely difficult, plus the tightening in the rules, which were warranted in some cases, are making it difficult for young Canadians to be able to get into the housing market. And that normally ends up hurting us long term. So it's a lagging effect. It may not be impacting us that much now, but down the road it will. Now, it could be like Europe. And I think, Paul, you've lived in Europe and you've been to Europe where basically the only way you get a home is because it gets handed down to you, which I hope that's not where we're heading to here because you never see any change of ownership in in, uh, some of these countries. Uh, The ownership just stays within the family forever and ever. 
but they also end up living all together. So you never really get your own home. You end up living with your family for your whole life. And then when your parents pass away, you inherit the home and it becomes your home and then vice versa when your kids. You, you know, Frank, that, so. that comment about gloating kind of drives me nuts. It's, who's, the, it's, one not, thing, it's not gloating. It's good news for people that have, that have purchased homes. But one, one thing we do on this show compared to other shows is we just tell the facts. Yeah. We tell the facts what's going on out there. And yes, prices are rising. And I, I always think there's an opportunity in every single market for something. You know, if the, if the prices are down, great time to buy. If uh, prices start skyrocketing, maybe it's a great time to sell. Is it a great time for investment properties? Is it a great time for renters? Like, there's always an opportunity in every market. And what we do is we just tell the facts and we tell what's going on. So yep. it's like, And last I checked, realtors don't dictate what the market value is of a home. Buyers dictate what the values of homes are. So when we went through 202021, if buyers weren't going crazy, and I don't think the realtors were putting a gun to their head and saying, you got to make this offer. That wasn't happening. No. People were making offers based on their own financial circumstances. The fact that interest rates were lower definitely helped because they were able to make those decisions. But last I checked, realtors or mortgage brokers didn't set the interest rates either. Our government did. So if you've got a beef, I think it's with our government where the beef is because they just didn't didn't do any long-term planning as to what was going to happen. And at that point, let's call a spade a spade. We hadn't gone through a pandemic, and everybody was kind of just learning on the go kind of thing. So like realtors yeah, were Yeah, and what, what, what people don't realize is a lot of people saw during this pandemic when everything skyrocketed, people said, oh, my God, must be great to be a realtor. Look at all the money they're making. must be so easy. That was probably one of the most challenging markets I've ever gone through. And now, if you were predominantly listing, absolutely, it was a little bit easier for you. And it was, uh, you know, you're, you're, we're making lots of you're money. You're just putting the sign up and that's it. That's, if you even got yeah, the sign up. But, in there's some a, cases. but there was a huge difference though. If you want to just put a sign up, sure, you might get, you know, your asking price or maybe ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 more, but it was our job to get you $100,000 more when we were selling properties. But I can tell you, I had more realtors ready to burn out in that market than any other market we've ever been through because I had realtors who were putting in eight, 10, 12 offers on properties and not getting them, not getting them accepted. There's a lot of work, a lot of paperwork that goes into doing that when you don't get that offer. Well, if you were a buyer agent in that well, market, that's, that's it. how frustrating was so that? So everyone's like, oh, it must be great to be a realtor in that market. No, it actually sucked to be honest with you. It absolutely sucked. And even on the listing side, when you were selling a property, how, do you know how challenging it is to deal with 20 offers, 25 offers on a property? It's nerve wracking. It really is. It's really hard at making sure your clients are protected. You haven't missed anything. You're getting them the best dollar, but the best terms. And then on the buying side, it was more challenging than ever because, you know, usually in a normal market, a house hits the market and you could say, okay, today's Saturday. Would you like to see it on Tuesday? And you'd have a chance to get the property. In that market, it hit on Saturday. If you weren't in there by 11 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, you were missing out on that property unless they were holding offers from a certain date. Which is exactly why we had that frenzy. It, and it, you can't control that. No, we can't That's control that. That's a buyer's that. frenzy. That's yeah. people going, and again, defending realtors, in. the realtors didn't create that market. Like the C- Canadians created that market across mm-hmm. the whole country. Not only here, we saw it in the U.S., we saw it across the world because interest rates came down and people all of a sudden with this pandemic – I think just started thinking, my God, like, let's see if we can get into home ownership. And uh, why everybody uh, wanted to be, have their own place, right? On the mortgage side, it was crazy because here we are, we're telling clients to go ahead and make offers on properties for 50, 60, $100,000 over list without financing. And we're putting our necks on the line because what if the lender or the default insurer comes back and says that value is not there? They don't have that extra down payment. So it was an extremely stressful time. 
Did people benefit from it? Absolutely. Now there's some people that have lost on it too because either they ended up buying homes, which again, I think on this show we were extremely responsible in saying home inspections should be mandatory. We all believe that home inspections should be mandatory, but that's not up to the realtor to make that decision. That's up to the government to force it. Just like a safety is necessary on a car, I think a home inspection should be absolutely necessary on a home before somebody gets it. So some people did get into homes, overpaid for the house, and then found that there were problems. And I think that that was happening during the pandemic. I think it's happening less now because we're seeing offers with home inspections, which is good for Canadians. I I 100% agree with that, Frank. I mean, I I probably had... You know, through the pandemic, let's say in a, in a year, we'll sell six to seven homes a year, six or seven hundred homes a year. So we didn't have a lot because my agents are very, very responsible. And when they go in a house and we we have to go in firm, we, what and you couldn't do a home inspection. My agents were very educated on checking things like as much as they could as far as electrical and foundations and all that stuff, just looking for those red flags. Yeah, cro- I pro- crooked homes yeah, and bad I, roofs. I probably got three calls from clients who said, you know what? I had to buy this house firm, which they knew they had to. I had to buy this house firm, and I just found out I have X. I have mold, or I have this, which we would never have found. Mm. But a home inspection probably would have found that. And the challenging part of that market was going through people having to go in firm, and then knowing that oh my god, I just hope this house is perfect for them. And it's it, it was a str- it was very very stressful because you never know if they're going to come back at you. So bring us to today. What are the challenges in today's market? Um, well, there's a challenge in every market, but we're back now in a market where you have to do a lot more to get a home sold. You do. I mean, you, the, marketing, advertising, you know, negotiating. We're we're back to a, a little bit more of a traditional market. We're still seeing some multiple offers for sure, and we're starting to see the market take off. But the days of you know sticking a sign in the ground and you know putting it on MLS, like those days are gone. They've been gone for years. Are dog homes selling these days, or do they have to be fixed up? They have to be fixed up now. I mean, we will probably get to a point in the next six to eight months where homes that are that you know don't look great uh, are going to sell again. But now, uh, I mean, everyone will everything will sell for a certain price. So we're now in the in the in the in the market where you have to price it accordingly. So before, where we could have said, you know what. Your house is, needs a lot of work, but who cares? Put it on the market. You're going to get over asking yeah, anyways. Going, now it's, okay, guys, so listen, we either put the $40,000 into this house to get it where it needs to be to sell it for X, or we just lower the price. And that wasn't happening during the pandemic. It's happening now. So, uh, But the houses that are really, really selling are the houses that have no work needed. And, and that that was where... That's where we've usually been in until that pandemic. You know, You have to make sure your house is the nicest on the neighborhood or... Price it, price it accordingly. And now we're back in that market for sure. It's getting more different to, difficult to renovate, though, for lines of credit now with what they're charging for interest rates on lines of credit. It's not as easy as it used to be. I've had clients call me on their lines of credit and say, Frank, like my payment used to be 400 bucks a month. Now it's up to 1200 bucks a month for my line of credit. Like, what should I do? And at this point, the interest rates have gone up too. So you're paying a premium. But if you've got money in a line of credit, and normally a line of credit's intended to be short term. Uh, you know, something you do some renovations and you pay it off in a couple of years. But if you now you see that it's going to be long term, you might be better off to convert that line of credit to a mortgage because you should be able to get a mortgage in the low four or sorry, high fours, low fives, where your line of credit's likely in the sevens. So now what you have to accept is the fact that once you convert it to a mortgage, now you're having to make principal and interest payments. So your monthly payment won't necessarily go down, but at least a portion of your payment is going towards principal where 
on a home equity line of credit, you know, you're paying interest only. But renovations we're seeing slowing down. People doing renovations are slowing down, not for any other reason than they just can't afford it. It's just yeah. difficult to to justify the amount that it's going to cost you to do the renovations. Costs are still high and what the borrowing costs on. But I'll tell you, Italians are way ahead of the curve. Getting that second kitchen, I think, is brilliant <laughs> for Italians because you can tell me, Paul, if a realtor selling a home with two kitchens, my guess is that it's got some value to it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. What's really sad for Italians is they put in the second kitchen but can't afford the appliances now. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> but so, you know, you talk, about, um, you talk about renovations. During the pandemic, the prices were so high for homes. So people were saying, oh, you know what? I'm just going to stay in my home. I'll do some renovations to make it where I want it. Yeah. Problem is the price of all the materials were so, so expensive. If you could get them. Now the home prices are coming down. So people are like, oh, now we're moving. And now the prices of all the materials come down. So you yeah. can actually renovate now. So it's kind of like a double whammy, double-edged sword. So we're now seeing people who can afford homeownership and they're actually moving instead of renovating right now. Like I said, we're going to see a lot of friends buy homes together, I think, moving forward. Mistake. Uh, well, maybe a mistake, but it's the only way to get into home ownership in some cases. So at least it's a start. You get a deal in place where you get a contract. Let's live together for five years instead of each individually renting somewhere. You know, you, you could share the home together, at least maybe build some equity. I think we're going to see that. And I think we're going to see a lot of the stuff that's happening in Europe where, you know, multiple families might move in together just to be able to own a home as opposed to renting somewhere. Just so. make sure you get something in writing. Yep. I've, I've had multiple situations, including some, some very good friends, some very good hockey friends uh, for my son um, who bought a property together, bought a triplex together. And I just said, guys, like it's, it's never a great idea when you're buying a property, not an investment property as a, as a, like as friends, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe someone, someone has a, a job loss or someone has a divorce or someone it's, you got to have something, something it all works on paper. It works on paper, but it's just, you know, and unfortunately for this situation, they, they bought it high and, Sold, yeah. it, sold it low. So yeah. it's, it, it, it sucks. It so you're suck. saying that's a mistake in real estate. You shouldn't buy high and sell low. <laughs> that's probably a big mistake. Right. Yeah, yeah. In anything. Maybe it's even amazing the, st- the things I learned on this show. <laughs> <laughs> even even the stock market. It's really good to buy high and sell low, you know? <laughs> 521 Talk, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Wow, this show's gone quick. Yeah. It has. It's yeah. flying by. Can yeah. I put a warning out for people that have a mortgage maturing in the next year? Oh, I if, thought you were going to put a warning out about no, me or something no. like that. <laughs> uh, if your bank and or lender calls you and you're inside of a year to early renew and get out of your current lower interest rate mortgage, don't do it. Why? Why would you give up a 3.09? I had a client call me this week, and their mortgage is up in March, March of next year, 10 months away, and their bank offered them 5.24% to early renew because rates might be higher come next March. I don't know how the bank knows that. Likely not, but I don't know how they know that. But in turn, they'd have to give up their 3.09% mortgage for the next 10 months. It makes no sense. Because the banks are saying rates are going up. Yes, and they're scaring people for no reason whatsoever. All they're doing is taking advantage of these people by, you know, spreading a maybe an, an, an opinion that may or may not be right, but likely not right. But why would anyone give up 
two percentage points on their mortgage for the next 10 months. Yeah, why would a bank w- call without 10 even... months ahead of time? Really? That was rhetorical. Really, Steve? Yeah, that was rhetorical. <laughs> really? But they never called 10 months ahead of time before. No, no. Uh, tw- apparently, we're hearing that some banks are starting to target people at the 12-month mark. A year ahead of time. So I guarantee they- you, ladies and gentlemen, that if your rate was 5.49% and today's rates were 3%, no. you would never get a call from a bank a year ahead of time. No. They would ride that out right up, right until the end. So it's got to go two ways. And But again, they, they pry on consumers that just don't have the knowledge and don't follow what's going on with interest rates. And they hope that a small percentage of them or a big percentage of them take advantage of it, and all it does, it lines their profits. This will get worse, I'm guessing, as time goes on, as mortgage rates are even lower than people have. The bank is going to try, and they're going to make a killing on that. Uh, well, again, if consumers fall for it, yes, because there are a lot of people, like you said, and you know, the problem potentially could be two years from now, because in 2020 and 2021, we saw rates in the ones for five-year fixed mortgages. So those customers that took those at that time – are loving this right now. I mean, they're basically, they're, they've got free money for another two years, two and a half years. And I say the same thing with people that are in variables. And, you know, we've, we've gotten a couple of calls and most of them understand the risk they took, but they also accept the reward that they got because if their mortgage is coming up right now and they're in a variable, they went through a four-year period of ultra-low interest rates. And it's really just been the last year that it's cost them more. So most of them have built a lot of equity in that five-year period, way more equity than, than they ever dreamed they would have. And in the end, they're way further ahead. And now maybe they take another variable or they go into a fix, which is much much higher than it would have been you know, had they locked in before. But at the end of the day, they're still further ahead, and they acknowledge that. So if your mortgage is coming due in about two years, your advice now would be hammer down on that principle as much as you can? Well, of course. I mean, if you can, right? The cost of living is making it difficult for people to pay extra towards their mortgage. They're just trying to survive these days. So. Yeah, I know, but their rate is as low the rate as is fantastic. Debt, so no, you- fantastic, but hammer other debt. I mean, I mean, the goal is to hammer your other debt. If you have no other debt and you've got extra money sitting around, then absolutely pay down the mortgage if you could. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, you want to hammer out the other debt first, which is higher, and that's what we're finding. We're finding customers' mortgages come up for renewal, and they're still sitting on thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars of other debt. So now they got to put the debt. You know, it, it's a good time because their house has gone up in value so much that they've got the equity to be able to do it. Yeah, you know, at least you can draw on it. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember a couple of years ago? I told you a story of a of a friend of mine who they had fifty, sixty thousand dollars in credit card debt, but they paid down their mortgage way down, and they refused to take that credit card debt and put it into a mortgage. They were paying twenty percent on the credit cards where they could have been back then the mortgage yep. was like two, three percent. Um just I just I've just thought of that when you were talking there. I just thought about we all still the get the odd debts. person that does that. They <laughs> refuse to go yep. off schedule <clears throat> yep. on their mortgage. Their mortgage is their mortgage, they want to pay it off, and that's it. And if they accrue other debt that's higher rate, it doesn't matter. They still want to stay and you know, I think it's wrong financially. I think it doesn't make any sense. But if it makes that person sleep better at nighttime, then who are we? It's their money. It's oh, 100%. Day, 100%. But I mean, if it's I'm- It's a mental block but if, though, right? It is a mental block. But if I'm sitting there with a 20% and I'm paying the minimum every month on that on that, on that that credit card, good luck. Like yeah. you're, you're 50, 60, 70 years well, you get the statement that says 72 years to pay it off. 72 years, payment, yeah. So. Yes. I mean, that's- And yet you can't get a 30-year amortization. Nope. Can't even get 
Yeah, 25. You can get 25 and then go to 30 later on, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me either no. because then if you've gone from 25 and you need to go to 30, you'd be further, now you're ahead, older. To, you'd be further ahead to start at 30. No kidding. Be able now to you're afford older. what you're paying. You're older. Now you're going to 30 here. It doesn't make any sense. What was the longest we ever had them? 40. We had 40. We had 0% we, yeah, zero. down and 40-year amortizations. And and the only reason we went off that because is of because, the, the because of what happened in the States. That yeah. was in t- 2008, 2009. We had 40 years amortization and a zero cashback, cashback mortgage, uh, right? Some places had cashback, but they, they were American banks that came into Canada and they didn't last because they didn't do very well with it. But they had zero down, higher interest premium, so your actual... Your actual mortgage was more than what you paid for the house to begin with, but it was tough to qualify. Like you had to have absolute amazing job and amazing credit to be able to qualify. Like for today, it, so. like today, <laughs> but you don't get the zero down, you right? Five percent down. So birthdays, birthdays, uh, just a few. Barb uh, from yeah, from Barbies. I saw that. So Barb's yeah. birthday this week. Uh, James Leach, one of our top uh, agents, along with our. Uh, beautiful Kathy Finley, uh, who's gone through some health issues the last couple of years. She's celebrating her birthday. And my mom. Tough day tomorrow because uh, it's going to be my mom's first birthday without my dad, uh, 65 years. But my mom's turning 70? 88. 88. 88, 88 nice. my mom. That's so, awesome. Buon compleanno, mamma. I do have one. I should have looked at my sheet that has all my team's birthdays and then I didn't this morning. But I do have one. And... Um, He's actually listening to the show. So our good friend, Adam Cote, who's listening oh, to the cool. show right now. No, it's not his birthday. It's his beautiful wife, Angie Poirier's wow. birthday, who's Bell Media herself, Magic 100. Yep. Angie Poirier's birthday. It may not be here next Saturday. So her birthday's actually on the Sunday, on June 4th. So happy birthday to the beautiful Angie. That's awesome. You may not be here next Saturday again. I, I, you know, I don't you know, know he yet. He just made a comment about me being at maybe 400 I don't shows. know yet. I have an opportunity of something, and if it does come mm. to fruition, I won't be here, but otherwise I will. Keep in mind, he's got to cut his own grass these days. Yes. I yes, do. I cut it yesterday, too. Oh, it took well. me like 45 minutes. He's got minutes. one of those robotic uh, grass cutters, by the way, right? So... No, I did come in on grass. His, his name was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> have a great week, folks. Have a great week. Support local businesses and charities.